Turn to, as I said, Acts chapter 6 and 7, and we continue with our series this morning, Heaven's Heroes, uh, and we did Old Testament a few months ago, a couple, a few weeks back. We're five weeks into the New Testament heroes of the faith, uh, and so uh, I want to encourage you to just, if you've missed some, uh, and Ike, are you going to, are you playing double duty? You're rolling back and forth. I don't want to get going. He's, we're, we're, we're shorthanded today, and so Ike's playing triple duties, the light guy, the computer guy, the sound guy, and also he's the guy who helped me work uh, some mail, some email works and things for Agua Resources. He's a great servant. Everybody give Ike Lovely a big hand and let him know you appreciate his hard work. Thank you, Ike. And so we're in the middle of this uh, New Testament heroes of the faith. And last week, for you that weren't here, or, and let me just ask, who did we talk about last week? We talked about, everybody say Luke. Luke, he was not an apostle, right? In fact, he was born again after Jesus had already uh, dead, buried, raised, and, and ascended to the Father. Uh, he was a born-again believer through the ministry of the early church, uh, and he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote Acts, where we're at today. If you missed last week, I would encourage you to get online and learn about Luke. He's a mysterious kind of guy, but a, a true hero of the faith. He was a historian of what? His story. Uh, he, he gave a accurate history, not only of the life of Jesus, but the life in the beginning and the birth of the church. And so that's who, that's the, that's, everybody say his name, Luke. Today, we're going to talk about another hero of the faith, and his name is Stephen. Everyone say Stephen. Stephen. Do you know anybody named Stephen? If you know, yeah, there you go. Uh, well, Stephen was the first martyr in the church. Now, for all of us that are here today, how many of you don't want to go to heaven too soon? All right, nobody does. And, and in fact, I heard this story about Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's uh, um, wife. When she was a little girl, she met uh, a missionary who told the story of martyrs. And, and Ruth Graham was so enamored by all, by all of it, she wanted to be a martyr for the Lord. In fact, she would pray as a little bitty girl. She'd pray every day, God, I want to be a martyr for you. And her big sister would say, after she prayed that, her big sister would say, dear Lord, don't listen to Ruth. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And none of us probably would want to pray, Lord, I want to be martyred for you. And I'm sure that, that uh, Stephen did not know that one day he would give his life and then would be, in, in a very real sense, a real hero of the faith when he began to follow Christ. Uh, but we're going to title this message of him about Stevie, Stephen, Living a Life of Lasting Legacy. Everyone say Legacy. And I think today it'll be a simple message as we look at the, in fact, if you read, when you read our suggested reading is Acts 6 and 7, I would encourage you to do that this week, to read Acts 6 and 7 uh, and just see how simple and easy it is to, to preach from uh, the, uh, the life of Stephen. I mean, he's just a great role model for all of us uh, to follow after, to, 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 to learn from. But we know nothing about his previous life. We don't know before, we don't know his BC life. We just know of his uh, after born again experience. We don't know when he was born again. We don't know who he was other than he was a member of the first century church. He was not an apostle. 
He was not a teacher in the church. He was not, uh, uh, he had no governmental responsibility. He was just, <coughs> let me say it this way, because members of the church, as we'll learn today, are very important. Look at your neighbor and say, you're very important to God. Listen, he was just a member of the church. He was just an ordinary guy who did extraordinary things. And God moved through a member of the church to make a huge difference, in, not only in the church of that day, but he left a lasting legacy. And so this morning, what I want you and I to embrace today, that, <coughs> that if we, we can learn from Luke, Pardon me. We can learn from, did I call him Luke a while ago? We can learn from Stephen. I shouldn't have rehearsed Luke so much. We can learn from Stephen some things in our life that will empower us and equip us. If we can learn from those who have gone before us, that's what we're learning, life lessons from those heroes of the faith. We can begin to live a life that would leave a lasting legacy after we're gone. I don't want to be morbid today, but look around, tell somebody, uh, tell them, all of us are going to die at some point. It's true. Unless Jesus comes, right? If Jesus comes, we'll just ascend. Uh, hey, I'll take that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll take that. In fact, uh, everybody say, even so, come Lord Jesus. I'll take the return of Jesus Christ any day. I'd love to see him. The Bible says when we see him, we'll be just like him we'll, because we'll see him just as he is. But until that day, we have a responsibility to live the life that God has for us in a way that would not only be pleasing to him, but leave a legacy for others that our life would influence others even after we're gone. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, I have a memory verse for you today. This is every week through this series. And here's the memory verse. It's not, it's not from Acts 6 and 7, but I think it's from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. And it says this. Let's read it out loud together. Would you do that with me today? Here we go. Let's read it out loud together. 1 Peter 4, 19 says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Read it again. Therefore, let First Peter four nineteen. Now, the reason I chose that is because that's exactly what Stephen did. He suffered according to the will of God. Now, that's got to throw some of you for a loop there. He said, well, Nate, I'm a, I'm a believer. I, I, I'm not supposed to suffer. How many of you know you can't argue with Scripture? Peter suffered, and he certainly knew probably uh, uh, on a personal level this member of the church named Stephen because Stephen made a big splash in the church with his life and then a big stir when he lost his life for the cause of Christ. And if you read through 1 Peter, you'll, you'll find a number of places in 1 Peter where Peter talks about suffering. Everybody say suffering. How many of you want to claim suffering for the Lord? You just know nobody wants to claim, nobody wants to pray to be a martyr, nobody wants to suffer, but the Bible says, Paul said this, yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer 
persecution. There will be issues. There's, there's suffering in this world and there's suffering in the church. Okay. People suffer. Uh, and however you want to define suffer, how many of you know some people uh, really suffered through the loss of everything through this hurricane that, and this flooding that experienced people, good people. Why do bad things happen to good people? We live in a fallen world. And we've got to embrace that reality. But we can learn from the life of Stephen, who even though he suffered as the first martyr, he lived a life of lasting legacy. So, and here's what, in in fact, I want to read. Do you have your Bibles? I hope you have your Bibles. And you're at Acts 6. I'm going to read quite a bit of Scripture today. uh, And I, let me see. I'll at least pull this out and open it up where I can see what time it is. Not, not that it'll matter, but we'll give it our best shot. I want to read some extensive verses on Stephen. I'm going to read the first part of chapter 6. In fact, let me just read all of chapter 6 and then the last part of 7. Can you handle that? If you can handle it, say, go for it, Pastor. Here we go. Now, in those days... When the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Now, the Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews, and I don't have time to get in and explain that. You can go to the Gospel of Google, and you can learn all about that. Uh, it'll help you. Just Google who were the Hellenists in Acts, and it'll tell you all about them. And it says, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples. In other words, they had a church meeting. And, and they didn't vote on anything, but they, but the 12 apostles, uh, gave a role to the church and they said a responsibility. It says this in verse two, uh, they summoned the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. In other words, there's an issue here we need to deal with and how we're taking care of these widows. He said, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. Everyone say good reputation. (coughs) Pardon me. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. Now, there's a lot I could say there that really doesn't have a lot to do about Stephen. Let me just throw this out. Just because it seems to be a menial task doesn't mean you can be unspiritual to accomplish it. He said, hey, you got problems in taking care of the widows and serving people. You find some people of good reputation, some people who are full of the Holy Spirit and the full of the wisdom of God, and we'll, and we'll appoint them over this business. And so they did. He said, we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose, everyone say Stephen a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit and Philip and Procurus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests who were obedient, uh, uh, were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, verse eight, uh, full of faith and power. Here's the commentary that Luke gives on him did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Sicily and Asia disputing with Stephen. Now, if you want to know who those people are, go to the, the 
When I say gospel, I'm not being sarcastic about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It means good news. Just go to Google. I won't call it the gospel of Google. I was a little, I shouldn't have said that. You Seriously, you go to Google and you Google this, who are these people? And you'll get people, you'll get all kinds of commentary from different people and you can chew up the meat, spit out the bones and you can learn who these people are. Okay. And so they disputed, and verse 10, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke, speaking of, of Stephen. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him, seized him and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who who sat in the council, looked steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Let me stop and interject right here. If you'll take the life of Stephen, which is just chapter 6 and 7, in this short narrative of this man, you're going to see many elements of Christ-likeness. You'll see at the end of his life how he his life ended like the life of Christ in many ways. You'll see uh, things he said, and here you see it again. How many of you know they came upon Jesus the same way? They falsely accused him. And see, Jesus died on the cross as a martyr, if you will, but he rose again. Everybody glad he rose again? Say amen. And now we see Stephen the martyr, he's dying. Uh, not, I'm not talking about just, he, he wasn't crucified on the cross. He was stoned, of course. But they came against him, falsely accused him. Uh, and so, uh, so they brought him before this council and before all these, these people who were falsely accusing him. And the high priest made a big mistake because he said in chapter seven, then the high priest said, are these things so? He asked him a question. And then the, so the church member Stephen, who happened to be full of the Spirit, full of faith, full of wisdom, we find out now he's full of the Word of God because they ask him the question. And so chapter 7 is Stephen's uh, <coughs> answer in response to his accusers. And he goes through one of the most detailed histories of Israel and the church, pardon me, and of Jesus. And he finishes it off with a big, I love how he finished it off in chapter 51. He makes it personal. This is his altar call now from his ministry that he gave to these accusers. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers persecute? Uh, not persecute. And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the directions of angels and have not kept it. Now, that's one serious altar call. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised of heart. And when they heard these things, follow me, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. 
But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see heaven. Here's what he said. I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice. You got to get the picture here. Stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named who? Saul, who later became Paul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now, does that not kind of remind you of the death of Christ? And then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Does that not sound a lot like? Let me just stop and say, he was living his best life to live and even to die just like Jesus. And then it says this, and it's almost, how many of you know Jesus gave up the the ghost? It says, and when he had said this, he fell asleep. What a hero of the faith. He lived a life of lasting legacy. And this morning, I want us to embrace that thought in our life. And though I would not pray as Ruth Bell, uh, <coughs> Ruth Bell, that's a different, Ruth Graham, I said Ruth Bell earlier, I say I know a Ruth Bell and a Ruth Graham, I'm getting all my people mixed up today. As Ruth Graham prayed, Lord, let me be a martyr. We should not pray that. How many of you know, I, I pray God protect me, amen? I don't want to, you know. In fact, I've always said, if somebody wants me to kneel and take a bullet, I'm not going to do it. They're going to get, they're going to get it with me on my feet, running at them going, Hey, you know, I'm going to resist arrest. Hallelujah. How many of you going to do that? Amen. Uh, they're going to have to martyr me while me either running for my life. I'm not kneeling down. I'm running or either attacking with whatever I can. Amen. How many with me say amen. Let me just say this as I begin to share with you about Stephen. It's not the longevity of your life that's going to matter the most in leaving a lasting legacy. It's not how long you live, but it's the legacy you leave when you're gone. And I've said this before, and I'll say it to y'all just in case, because how many of you know, uh, should Jesus tarry? At some point, all of us are uh, going to slip from this life into that life. Pastor Sonny Conancer, Beverly and I spent a little time with Sonny and Susan this past week. Two weeks ago, Pastor Sonny was in his home church in Duncanville and he preached a message and there was a 22-year-old young man there uh, who he knew, who was a member of his church, uh, who had had some struggles in the past and he was working through them. This young man comes up to Pastor Sonny two weeks ago and says, you know, I've got some things, that, hey, about your message. It really impacted my life. And I was, and they were just having a great convo about the Word of God. And this past, or, or yesterday on Saturday, Pastor Sonny, Sonny performed his funeral. Pastor Sonny shared with me this uh, this past week. He said, you never know who you're talking to and we never, and life is fragile. And so we've got to live a life that makes a difference. It's what you leave when you leave that matters the most. 
And so we need to embrace that thought. And we can learn from Stephen. He's certainly a hero of the faith. So let me give you some things about Stephen. Are you ready? You want me to kind of be kind of more like a, a preacher now or somebody to give you a little outline? I want to talk to you about the legacy he left. Stephen left a lasting legacy in his life. And, and here it is. The first one that I want to talk to you about this morning. He left a lasting legacy of integrity. Someone say integrity. Woo, how many of you know that's, that's a sparse commodity in the community we live in, in the world we we live in integrity. In fact, we say, Pastor, how do we how do we know that he was an integral man? Well, the, here's what the apostles said: the first the first criteria for service and ministry and taking care of this issue and these widows and waiting on tables. He, they said this: you go find seven men. That this might be miraculous in and of itself, right here. Come on out, go find seven men in your church who who have a good reputation. Everyone say good reputation. How many of you know a good reputation is hard to earn, but easy to lose? It's a lifetime of earning and one silly moment or stupid bad choice and you can lose it. It's a precious commodity, this thing called integrity. And the church leader said, you go find seven guys who have a good reputation. So we know that Stephen in all the church, in fact, he was kind of the leader among equals here with these seven guys. He was kind of the highlight of the bunch. We don't know much about the rest of these guys other than they were of good reputation and according to that church of the day, full of the Holy Spirit and they were able to serve. But we find Stephen, he lived a life. He had a good reputation among the church folk. And all the people, how many of you know, that's huge. How many, everybody said that's huge. It's a legacy of integrity. And here's my question for me, and here's my question for you, and my question for the church. If the church were looking for those of a good reputation, would you and I make the cut? Would we be among the, would we, would we be high on the list? Oh, I know that guy. You can trust him. And when you think of a good reputation, there's a lot of character traits that come to mind. Trustworthy, credible, faithful. Somebody think of another one. If you've got a good reputation, righteous. Anybody got another idea popping in your head? Honest, what else? Loyal, what else? Loving. This is who this guy was to the people around him. How many of you know when you're walking rightly before God, you don't have to convince other people around you. It'll be evident. Everyone say evidence. And so from the life of Stephen, we learned that in the church family, listen, in the church family, and it was pretty big at the time, he made the top of the list. He made the honor roll when it came to integrity. And all of us need to look at our own lives and say, when I leave this life, will I leave a la lasting legacy of integrity? Or will people say, whew, that old boy, you had to watch yourself around him. You can trust him, not, not Stephen, and hopefully not us. Stephen left a lasting legacy of integrity. Number two, he left a lasting legacy, and this is the character and the nature of Christ, of service. Because that's what they were asking these men to do, to serve. 
And what did Jesus come to do? And this is the character, this is the, a key Christ-like characteristic. Uh, uh, Jesus, the Bible says of him, he didn't come to be served, but to, and do what? Give his life a ransom for many. And that's the character of Christ that Stephen embraced in his life. Interesting little comparison here. In the culture we live in today, if you move in signs and wonders, and Stephen was a Holy Ghost signs and wonders guy, right? What? Oh, did you, did you miss that part or did I skip that part? Let's go back to, look what it says in verse eight. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now, he was not an apostle. He was not a church leader. He's a church folk member, but he moved in the supernatural power of God. Now, in the culture we live in today, that does not put you back in the back room uh, or in the, uh, you know, on uh, going to the homeless ministry on Sunday, Saturday morning at the, the crack of dawn. That doesn't put you in the nursery in uh, today's culture in today's churches, it doesn't put you taking care of the, the, the teenagers. That puts you up here in front of everybody doing signs and wonders. Somebody say man, somebody. Woo! But in the early church, it was totally different. Evidently, that might have been kind of the, 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 the normal response that we all share. We're just here to serve somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm just here to serve somebody. Whoo. Now think about it. This is the legacy that you leave. When you leave planet Earth, will it be as they said about Jesus? He came not to be served, but to serve. Will it be? Now there's a great servant. How many of you know some really great servants that are in this world? I have one. I'll mention his name. He's not here today. I know a lot of you are serving. I wouldn't speak this to you while you were here, but I have a friend and, and Laura can testify and, and, and our family can testify. I'll call his name out loud. He's not here. Conan Welch. Our dear friend, he used to be my youth pastor, associate pastor, worship leader, and now he works along beside us many times with Agua Resources. Dear lifelong friends, but I'm telling you, if there's a servant in the church, it's Conan Welch. He has a legacy of service. And God forbid that I'd ever have to be the one to, to, to perform his funeral service. But if I did, if I outlast him, one of the things I'll say is, right here's a man who served his family, he served his church, he served his community. He had the nature of, he had the heart of service. You see, that's a lasting legacy. And Stephen lived and left a legacy not only of integrity, but one of service. What a quality. You see, some of us are, are, are working really hard so people will serve us. I mean, how many of you love good service? Oh, let me ask, how many of you hate bad service? Man, when you go to a restaurant and you expect good service and you get 
bad service, it's hard to be a generous. It's hard to be a tipper. It's hard to, uh, you know, and, and when you're in the ministry of serving others, you got to be good at it. But in the church, listen, all of us are in the ministry of serving others. But we think about it one of these days, I may have, I'm just going to live a life of luxury, live a life where people serve me. Listen, you may have people serve you, but listen, it should not change your attitude of service for others. In fact, regardless of your title, listen, if you're the president of the United States or the president of company or whatever it is, the nature of service should be the core of who we are as believers. Are you with me? Say amen. Stephen left a legacy of service, but number three, just as important, he left a legacy of spirituality. He was a man, it says three times at least, he was full of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's a lot of things. In fact, I, I, I had a hard time titling this message. I, I wanted to say this, but it just didn't ring true. Stephen, a man who was full of it. That'd get your attention, but it was, it would just take you to a place you didn't want to go. And so I didn't do that, and I'm, I didn't really say what I just said, so we'll ix that out of the tape. However, but if you look at his life, there was something about him. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and he did great signs and wonders among the people, verse 8 says. And then, actually, even as he died, verse 55, what they said about him, it says, he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. You see, his problem and his trouble and the people who ran against him and gnashed their teeth and threw rocks at him did not keep him uh, and knock him off the nature and the character of Christ in his heart. He stayed filled with the Spirit till the moment he breathed his last. He left a legacy of being filled and full of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it says this about those who accused him. If you go back to 6, uh, it says they, when they came against him, they could not dispute the Spirit of God in him. They just, it just overwhelmed them, the, the, the nature of his spirituality. In fact, what does it say about him? It says about his face. When they saw him, his face was as the face of an angel. He, he glowed, if you will, with the presence of God in his life. He left a legacy of spirituality and relationship with God. Listen, when we're truly living a spirit-filled life, you need to understand, you know, and we have this tendency. And let, me, let me throw this, I'll, I'll read this and I'll ask you. When we truly live a spirit-filled life, there will always be what? Evidence. Now, anybody here raising Pentecost or Assembly of God? Okay. What do we, boy, he's spirit-filled. He talks in tongues. How many of you know it's good to operate the gifts of the Spirit? But how many of you ever met any tongue talkers who were not spirit-filled? Are you with me? It's not in just the gifts you operate in. In fact, evidence of a spirit-filled life is not talking in tongues. The evidence of a spirit-filled life is the, is the, a life that is filled and controlled and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. People who get in the Spirit and they begin to walk it out and live it out and they leave a legacy of spiritual destiny and purpose. Are you with me? And when we truly live a spirit-filled life, There'll always be evidence. I have a friend who beat me to heaven 
a dear friend. His name is Dave Bell. In fact, gosh, how long has it been, Beverly? Five or six years. I finished five years. I finished preaching right here, and I get this. Uh, one of our young men came to me looking funny. He said, you need to call your son right now. And I, I, I walked back there, and I called him. And my son, who is very close to the Bell family, told me, uh, Dad, Dave has died. He's a little younger than me, I think, or about the same age. Seemed pretty healthy, although he had heart issues as a kid. This guy loved the Lord. This guy was full of the Spirit. This guy was a worshiper of God. This guy raised five young boys into five great men. This guy pastored a great church. This guy made a difference in my life. This guy was a Spirit-filled believer. And there was evidence. Everybody say evidence. We're talking about leaving a lasting legacy. Stephen left a legacy of integrity, a legacy of service, a legacy of spirituality, being full of the Spirit. And then he left a legacy of wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. Now, when you study Scripture, especially the New Testament, Paul made sure that, that we're not talking, when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about not the wisdom of this world or natural wisdom, but uh, wisdom which comes from a spirit-filled life and which comes from the Word of God, not the wisdom of this world, but the wisdom which comes from God. And I love this about the first century ch church leaders. We need somebody to wait tables. We need somebody that has the Holy Ghost and, and, and has a spirit of uh, of the power of God on their life and wisdom. How many of you know it's not what you know here, but what you know here that makes the biggest difference? And undoubtedly, this man, Stephen, walked in the wisdom of God. For it says in verse 10, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. You know, as a pastor, as a father even, and one who people look to for, say that word, wisdom. There's been so many times when people call and ask me questions and they're looking to their pastor, they're looking to their father. Uh, you know, my son, who I don't get to spend much time with, he lives in Dallas, yeah, and there's things going on in his world and his future, and he calls me and we talk, and he wants to know, Dad, what do you think about this? As well, uh, In fact, even on a much lighter note, uh, I, I, this is not a, no indictment of Josh, but Larbeth, uh, I posted, I sent him a picture of our first fireplace this morning, uh, and she sent me a text back and said, Dad, you're going to have to come over and show me how to use our fireplace place. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Laura's the pyromaniac in the family. Isn't she, Josh? She loves fire. Oh, things burn. Ooh, I like to make big fire. We were all at the lake one day and I had this pile of wood. I wasn't ready to burn it. And I came in from fishing and there was Laura around this fire. Ooh, she loves fire. So this morning, very early, my, my youngest daughter, she wants her father's Wisdom. And I, this morning I was thinking, I was so excited about it. I thought, I know how I can tell her all about it. First, you need your kindling. And then, and you know, and I said, Hey, Stephen left a legacy of wisdom, not just, you know, good old horse sense. 
about making fires, but wisdom about life, wisdom about people. How many of you know you don't want to put somebody who's not very wise in the front of the line dealing with widow women and feeding them? How many of you know guys better know how widow women think and feel? Think about it for a moment. You don't handle, how many of you know you handle, how many of you parents have to handle your kids differently? Each one of them needs a little different way. You need wisdom, right? In fact, when it comes to the things of God, we need the wisdom of God. And in my pastoral life, I've leaned heavily upon the wisdom of God and people come and they ask things or they're going through things and and there's a grace that comes upon me, which means it's a gift from God. It's not because old P. Sam's been around a while and learned a few things. It's because the spirit of God, the Bible talks about the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him and, 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 and Stephen walked in that way. He didn't lean to his own understanding. He leaned on the wisdom of God. We... We need people in the world today who walk in the spirit and they have wisdom from God. Listen, this world needs the wisdom of God. They don't need another head. They need God's wisdom about how to deal with things in life. Man. That's leaving a legacy. In fact, gosh, there's so much I could say. I would encourage you to do this. Read Ephesians. In fact, let me just read you one verse from Ephesians. I'll I'll do it real quickly. But I want you to read through Colossians because there's a few verses in Colossians where they're praying. And even in in Ephesians where Paul, they're praying that God would give them wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom to get to Ephesians right now. Here we go, I got it. Ephesians 1.8, look what he says here. He says this, he says, uh, verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he has made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Look in verse 7, you don't have to, I I just turned there. Verse 17, he's praying for them. He said, I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I'm telling you, come on now, when you start walking in the spirit, you can, you you know, hey, this doesn't mean you you got your PhD or all, it means that you're gaining wisdom from above. I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about God's wisdom. Are you with me? Say amen. I love what James said in James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let me just stop saying, come on here. Are you with me? If you're with me, say I'm with you, pastor. How many of you lack wisdom? Raise your hand. Everybody, that's just everybody. I don't want to pop your bubble, but we all lack wisdom. James said this, if any of you lack wisdom, do what? Let him ask of God who gives to all men liberty, but let him ask in faith. You know, when somebody say that, Pastor, I need counseling, I need this. You know what I do before I ever arrive? I say, God, I need your wisdom for these folks. They need your wisdom. I need your wisdom about this, your wisdom about that. In fact, uh, 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 Sabrina and Scott, they've, they've got uh, choices they need to make about their future and about their house that their little their 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 house was on a pier and beam and it 
and it undermined or, or and it undermined it all. It's just oh, they got they need wisdom. And so they said, we want to talk to you and see what you think. And, I, and you know, before we ever meet, you know what I'm going to say? Lord, give, help, I, how, many of you, how many of your opinions are like elbows? Right? Everybody's got a couple, at least most people do. They don't want necessarily my just opinion. What are we hoping to do when we gather together? Lord, give us wisdom. On what to do and how to go. And, and there have been times when I've, I, in fact, when I'm not really in flow, I, Sonny and Susan and I, Beverly, we were talking about certain, some particular thing. And I said, well, let me tell you what I do. Now, that means I'm going to tell you my opinion. And I told my, I started telling my opinion. And in the halfway through my opinion, all three of them were going, <laughs> they go, uh, no, that ain't going to work. I had a guy tell me one time about a, it was a pastor. He said, you know what you need to do? You need to tell this guy this. This was about a relational issue. You need to tell him this. I said, sir, if I do that, let me tell you what will happen. This will happen. That will happen. He said, yeah, you're right. Don't tell him that. But we have access to the wisdom of God. Stephen lived and, and he left a legacy of wisdom. Number five, he left a legacy of faith. And I want to, I love this. He, he was a man who walked by faith and not by sight. He died in faith. Did you know that? <laughs> he died in faith <laughs> looking to Jesus. He trusted God. He believed God. He was a man of faith. It says he was full of faith, verse 8, and power. Listen, what a legacy we live. Uh, however, and it's not the longevity. It, it's the legacy we leave. What if we, if we could leave a legacy of that man, that woman, they trusted God. Even to the end, they lived well and they died well in faith. In fact, what does it say in Hebrews about our forefathers of faith? It says they all died in faith, not having seen the promise, but believed the promise. Are you with me? Stephen left a legacy of faith. Number six, he left a legacy of biblical knowledge. This is huge. Now, this is head knowledge and heart knowledge. How many of you know head knowledge alone just makes you arrogant? But when you get head knowledge with a right heart, it makes you full of God's word. And how many of you know his word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword? Now, I love when, when, when the high priest, at, now, let's back up. Stephen, he wasn't the Bible teacher. He wasn't the apostle. He didn't. He didn't even write a book of the Bible. He was just who? Let's call it, everybody say church member. He's just a church folk. Listen, understand something. We think, well, the pastor, he better have the word of the Lord. He better know it all. These Bible teachers, they better have all their P's and Q's in line. They better know the word. Man, I'm not going to that church. That preacher, he doesn't, know, he doesn't even know the Bible. We need some preachers and some teachers who know the Bible. You ever met anybody that'll bless you with that attitude? Could I say to you from this place, we need church members who are full of the Spirit. Let me tell you something. You got to be full of the Spirit, but you got to be Spirit and Word. Everybody say Spirit and Word. Let me tell you something. Somebody that's full of the Spirit that doesn't know the Bible, you better watch out for those people. They're dangerous because they go by emotions and 
and they get, you ever met any charismaniacs? They do things because they don't know, they go play, hey, listen, the, the high priest made a big mistake with Stephen. He thought he's just a church member. He thought he's going to just rake him over the coals. And they accused him and they brought him before the council and people, boy, they're ready. They just, they maligned him and the high priest said, is this true? Is this so? And with that, the church member Stephen, he has no Bible. He has no scrolls from his heart. Which, which was linked to what he knew here. He begins to declare the history of the early church and he lays out the plan of God and he lays out God's word and will. And he just, and in fact, it's the longest, most concise, uh, and, and, and wonderful, uh, dissertation of church history in the entire New Testament. From just old Stephen, the church member. Don't be like those that would say to those that they're responsible for, well, just do as I say, not as I do. We need Sunday school for the adults. We need, hey, if you went back to the first slide, memory verse. What a thought. Read the Bible through in a year. What a novel idea. Study great men and women from the Scripture. Get the history together. Lock it in with the plan of God. Know the Bible. We teach this from time to time, how to get a grasp on God's Word. Let's see if I can remember. You got to read the Word. Everybody say, read the Word. Yeah, the Bible says you got to read it. Everybody say, study the Word. You got to meditate on the Word. Somebody say, meditate. You got to memorize. And you got to apply the Word personally. Those things you do in your life, it'll help you get a grasp on God's Word, which is, in fact, uh, I used to give this illustration all the time. I would tell people, uh, you know, I'd get two fingers and I'd, I'd say, you know, I read it and I study it and I got two of those down and you can still get the Bible out of my hands. But if you, if I start reading it and studying it and memorizing it and meditating on it and apply it in my life, I get a firm grip on it and you're going to have a hard time getting it out of my hand. And Stephen had a firm grasp, listen. When he said, when the high priest said, are these things so? Stephen didn't go, uh, pardon me. Peter? James? John? Could, could somebody help me? He had it. In fact, if, if, you, if you realize who was sitting there watching and was in hearty approval of his death, it was Saul who later became Paul. And let me just stop and give this little side note here. You know, there was a whole crowd who threw rocks and even, and they didn't listen. It says they were cut to the heart and they gnashed their teeth. And there was Saul, but how many of you know 
the seed works in some people's life. And when Paul had his revelation just a couple of chapters later, I'm sure his little mind went back to this man, Stephen, who had it down when it came to the word of God. And though you don't know, in fact, the Bible says about Paul, he spent about three years kind of after he had his revelation of Jesus, knocked down, had the light, you know the story, three years of getting it together before he stood up and began to really preach the word of God. A legacy of, of knowing God's word. Listen, if your kids know more memory verses than you, something's wrong. If your kids can tell you more Bible stories than you, something's wrong. Are you with me? I'll never forget years ago, we had a couple come to this church years ago. They were both, uh, one was an engineer and one was an engineer in training. And we just assumed some things about them. They're very smart people, very educated people. And we put them in children's ministry pretty quick. They had little kids. And, and so I'll never forget one of our teacher's trainings. Uh, someone said, well, just tell them the story of Moses or, or Noah. Tell them the story of Noah. And, and all of a sudden, one of these very educated parents went, uh, I've never heard that before. They began to grow spiritually. And so we need the word of God. Somebody say amen. Whoo! Stephen left a legacy of Bible knowledge. Listen, you can't share with others publicly what you have not learned privately. I just don't feel comfortable, preacher, talking to, to other people in public about the, these things. What you're saying is, I don't know it privately because if you know it privately, how many of you know some things real well? Come on now. I, I see Stacy. She's educated. She's a speech pathologist. She knows some things. If you want to talk about how to help people, little kids especially, you just talk to her. She's not going to scratch her head and go, well, you know, I better go get my books. I mean, she makes a good living helping parents uh, and, and helping their kids speak correctly. She knows a few things about speech. Uh, and, and, uh, and some of you folks, we got doctors, we got teachers, we got people. We know some things. Uh, Brent works in uh, ExxonMobil. There's big red knobs that if I got in there, no, don't touch the red one for goodness sake but they know there's some things they know in fact Brent makes this uh, I'll just say it publicly he comes home talking to us like we all work at ExxonMobil these valves and gases and motors I go then he stays he just comes home. It's all well. We had a you know mechanical. We got my God. I turn these valves and gases. And, yeah, I got you. <laughs> Poor Brent. You only have son. You can't talk bad about your daughters, but your son-in-law is pretty fair game, right? <laughs> and my daughters be all over me. I can't talk about your wife either, so I'm sorry. That's the way it is. He lived a life. He knew. That's why we've got to study God's word. And then finally, I'll close. It's time to go. It's 11.59. I'll quit pretty quick. He lived a life of, 
and lived a legacy of forgiveness. You see, he told them they were stiff-necked. But then as his dying breath, he prayed a prayer and he forgave them. He knew you don't get, hey, let me just stop and say, you don't want to go to heaven with unforgiveness in your heart. He undoubtedly heard the lesson of prayer and forgiveness from Jesus in Luke 6 where it says, if you don't forgive others, God can't forgive you. What? With his dying breath, he said, Lord, don't hold this to their account. He lived a life of forgiveness. Do this in faith. Look at somebody around you. Just look at somebody and say, just let it go. Forgive. Let it go. He lived a life of forgiveness. Today, listen, I wish I had a $100 bill. I don't have one. I'm all out today. How many of you know if you had a dollar bill in your pocket, you just kind of, oh. have you ever have you ever had money in your pocket and you reach in there and it accidentally fell out? Right. Oh, gosh, what was that? How many of you would not treat a $100 bill like that? Well, you. People hold on to grudges like a $100 bill. Not Stephen. He let it go. And he entered into heaven with no unforgiveness in his heart. Let me give you a closing commentary about him just quickly, and then I'm going to give you our life lesson for the day. When you study Scripture and about, you know, the Bible, you know, quick history, Jesus died, rose again, stayed on planet Earth ministering to the fledgling church for 40 days, and then he ascended to the Father, right? Are you with me? And the Bible says when he got there, what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, right? Are you with me? And so uh, when you study the New Testament, where's Jesus? He's seated at the right hand of God. Where is he? Right hand of God. What's he doing? He's seated. What did Stephen say? The rocks are coming. It was a standing O. He said, I see Jesus. He's standing at the right hand of the Father. I see him, he's standing up. Jesus is going, way to go, Stephen. You did it, you lived, you lived and you died well. That's the way I want to go out. With a heaven standing O. Whoo, are you with me? Say amen. You see, if you stand up for him, and Stephen did, he'll stand up for you. Whoo. Man, you want to leave a lex- legacy? You got to stand up for Jesus. Every opportunity. I asked Sonny this question Where was Peter? Peter had learned a terrible lesson. If you don't stand up for Jesus, it's bad.
He denied the Lord. Jesus restored him into ministry. Here's Peter, the Pentecostal Acts 2 leader of the church. I, can't, I, 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 I have a hard time reading too much in here. We just don't know, but where was he? Where were the rest of these guys? I'll tell you where Jesus was. Well done. You know, the Bible says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run our race, live our life, because there's a great cloud of witnesses. Want to stand up for us? Let's stand together. I'm going to give you today's life lesson. Let's stand for Jesus. And I'm going to pray for you. We're going to go. It's afternoon, 12:04. I just keep going. I don't know what my problem is. Today's life lesson: Live the kind of life that will positively influence and impact people and ultimately leave a lasting impact on those on them when you're gone. It's what you leave when you leave that matters the most. Let's, let's read it together out loud. Everyone together, here we go. Live the kind of life that will positively influence and impact people and ultimately leave a lasting impact on them when you're gone. It's what you leave when you leave that matters the most. You got to live the life. Stephen lived the life. He lived well and died well. And he lived a, last, a life of lasting legacy. I thought about this, and we're going to pray. You've heard the phrase, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? Legacy is not built in a day, but it's built daily. You can't take the cliff notes and get legacy you can't do a crash course on deathbed about leaving a legacy you can't fudge your way through and cheat on the final exam and leave a lasting legacy you say but old pastor I've made so many mistakes let me tell you something about Stephen we don't know we don't know who the boy was before he got born again. You know what that tells me? Who cares? Who cares what you've done yesterday? Who cares what you did five years ago? Who cares about the mistakes of the past? I know God doesn't. Because the Bible says he forgives and he forgets. When do we leave a legacy? When do we start today? Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Father, today as we leave this place, I pray, God, we would leave with, a, with the influence of Stephen, the first martyr, and the life he lived, and the legacy he left burning in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Lord, may we, Lord, be in a sense halted by his life that we must too, just ordinary church folk, live a life, Lord, that would leave a lasting legacy in the, in the world we influence. God, there are people all around us at work, at home, and at play. Uh, our neighbors and our friends and our family and work associates and even people we do not know that need to know Jesus. 
And more importantly, they need to know Jesus through us. Help us, Lord, to live a life that would leave a lasting legacy. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord and His Word a great big praise offering today. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah.